God wants and is looking for people who will step into the middle and turn and face Him and say, Oh God, yes, we deserve judgment, but Lord, I'm asking You for mercy. I'm asking You, Lord, to pour out a revival and an awakening. Welcome to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire author and founding senior pastor of the exciting Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas, Pastor Jeff is known for his heartfelt and practical proclamation of the scriptures. We are so glad you joined us today. So stay tuned as Pastor Jeff teaches, encourages, and challenges you from the Word of God. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Life Talk. I'm Jeff Wickwire, and thank you for joining us. Today, we're continuing the series, Pray Through, where we're going to be studying the type of prayer least understood but most needed, and that is the prayer of intercession. When we think of intercession, we tend to think of a tiny handful of people we call intercessors who are way more called to prayer than we are and sort of super hyper spiritual types that are in the church. But you know what? The truth is all Christians are called to the prayer of intercession. So let's go right to the message, the prayer of intercession, and see what the Bible has to say about this crucial form of prayer. Author Samuel Chadwick wrote this about prayer. Listen to this. It's so powerful. He said, Satan dreads nothing but prayer. His one concern is to keep the saints from praying. He fears nothing. Catch this. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil. He mocks our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. He trembles when we pray. Prayer is the one thing that Satan will do anything to keep you from. Have you ever noticed when you decide to up your prayer life, suddenly every distraction in the world comes your way. The phone rings, something breaks, the kids go nuts, things happen. You get a flat tire, you lose your job. As soon as you decided to pray, it's like Satan puts you in the crosshairs. Why? Because the last thing he wants is for you to pray. And let me tell you why. Because prayer releases the power of God onto your problem. It releases God's liberty into your bondage, His wisdom into your perplexity, His peace into your trouble, His guidance into your confusion, His healing into your hurt, His strength into your weakness, His power into your impossibility. When you pray, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, a righteous woman, a righteous person releases great power, dynamic in the way that it manifests itself and works. Prayer works. Now, in our text, as I already pointed out, he named four kinds of prayer. Do you know they're all different? He names first supplication. I urge you that supplications be made. Well, what is that? That's the prayer of entreaty. That is the prayer for a specific heartfelt need. The suppliant who is supplicating is usually asking God for mercy. The suppliant is between a rock and a hard place, and they need the mercy of God, and they need a breakthrough, and they are crying with heartfelt passion that God would do something. That's supplication. But then he just says prayers. I urge you that supplications and prayers. That's talking about simple petitions. You're bringing to God your prayers every day. You know, I pray every day, and I like to pray through the Lord's Prayer. It covers everything. 
And, and, you know, I pray every day, give us this day our daily bread. Now, I pray it kind of of matter-of-factly. You know, I, I am stating my dependence on God when I say, Lord, give me this day my daily bread. I trust you for my provision. But you let me be two months late on my bills, and I'm not praying. I'm supplicating. I'm saying, oh, God, help me. Most supplicating prayers are help me. But then he moves to the third one, thanksgiving. You know, that's the kind of prayer when you say, thank you, Lord. That is a type of prayer. You're praying when you thank God. We ought to thank God all the time. Think to thank all the time. Don't wait till thanksgiving. Think to thank all the time. Thanksgiving, what it means here is literally to give God thanks for his grace. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. And then the exact same family of prayer words are found in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Same words. He says, in everything by prayer, there's one. Supplication, two. Thanksgiving, three. And requests. Let your requests be made known to God. Four types of prayer in those verses as well. Paul liked families of words. And so there you've got four kinds of prayer. But the fourth kind is the one we want to look at today the prayer of intercession. This is not just for a select few. The prayer of intercession is for everybody who names the name of Christ. You know why? Because intercession literally means to approach the king. To approach the king. I think of Esther going before the king of Persia as an intercessor for her people, for the entire nation. And she interceded for the Jewish people that God would prevent their extermination by what the wicked Hyman had done. She interceded. She approached the king. That's what it means. And it means to approach the king for an intervention. That's what it means. Intercession, I approach the king, covered in the blood of the lamb, and I'm coming for an intervention. God, I need you to move. I'm asking you to move. You've got to move. And if you don't move, all is lost. It means to stand in between God and the object of his impending judgment. Now, I want you to picture something. You've got God over here, and, and God is a holy God. He's a righteous God. He's a good God. And because he's a God of love and a God of holiness, he's also a God of judgment. He judges. Over and over, all through the Bible, it says God will judge the nations. God will judge the earth. A judgment day is coming. We all know that, right? I trust we all know that. There is a judgment day coming. But now, here's God, and God is offended by the sins that take place on planet earth. And over here, you've got the object of his wrath, the object of his judgment, those that are sinning against him. And now, here's what the intercessor does. The intercessor steps in the middle and turns and faces God and prays for God's mercy and intervention so that judgment doesn't fall, or at least there's mercy in judgment. God wants and is looking for people who will step into the middle. We're about to see this in just a moment. And turn and face him and say, oh, God, we need revival. Yes, we deserve judgment. Yes, we deserve hell. But, Lord, I'm asking you for mercy. I'm asking you for grace. I'm asking you, Lord, to pour out a revival and an awakening. And God is looking for that. God wants that. That's the prayer of intercession. That's the intercessor. That's what God is looking for. Now, we've all heard how the word sin means to miss the mark. When you say, well, I sinned, what you're really saying is I missed the mark. I missed the bullseye. I missed 
the real purpose of God for me. I missed God's plan for me. I missed the mark. And that's what sin does. You miss the bullseye of life. You miss the mark. You miss the meaning. You miss the purpose. You miss the destiny that God had for you. That's why sin is tragic, because we miss the mark. But now the word intercessor is a word that is the opposite of sin, of missing the mark. The word intercessor means to hit the mark, to hit the bullseye. And here's where it's driving. It says, because the intercessor is one who waits before God long enough to discern his will about a certain thing. And then they pray. That intercessor prays about the clearly revealed will of God. And that prayer hits the bullseye, hits the mark. It's accurate. It's strategic. It is aimed. It is intentional. In the wilderness, when the people had angered the Lord and judgment was falling, it says, but Aaron burned the incense, and purified the people. He stood between the dead and the living. Here's Aaron. What a picture of intercession. A plague is moving. The people of God have provoked God. And there is a plague moving through all of Israel out there in the wilderness. And what does Aaron do? He grabs some incense. Those incense are a picture of prayer. Prayers are called incense in the book of Revelation. And he takes those incense and he stands between the dead and the living. And he says, oh, God, have mercy. And Aaron's standing there holding up those incense representing prayer. The plague stopped right there. Perfect picture of intercession. When, again, the people that provoked the judgment of God were told Moses prayed. And I told the first service, I couldn't pray this way. I can't think of anybody I would pray this way for. I'm not spiritual enough to pray this prayer. Maybe you are. But look what he said. Moses said, but now please forgive their sin. But if not, then blot me out of the book you have written. I wish I could say there was one or two on earth I could do that for. It reminds me of Paul in Romans 9 when Paul says, in Romans 9, he says, I would that God would send me to hell, that my own people would be saved. You've got to get to a spiritual place to be able to pray that prayer. But Moses did. He stood between God and the object of his wrath and intervened according to the will of God and God had mercy and spared the people. Now the classic picture of intercession, the best one I know of in all the Bible is the story of Abraham's intercession for Sodom and Gomorrah. There's not a better picture of intercession than this one. So let me just go over this story with you. You all know the story. God's impending judgment was hovering over Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Bible says that here's Abraham one day and him and Sarah are just having a normal day going through life. You know, they're living in their tent and they're camped on the promised land. And all of a sudden, three men come walking into the camp. And immediately, Abraham discerns these men are not normal. These are not human beings. And the Bible says he discerned that they were angelic, that they were from heaven, that they were not flesh and blood. And the Bible says that he took them in and he fellowshiped with them and he talked with them and they again said Sarah's going to have a child and they brought some word to Abraham and his family. But the Bible says it came time for them to leave. And when they started to leave, it says in Genesis 18, 16, then the men got up from their meal and looked out toward Sodom. As they left, Abraham went with them to send them on their way. In verse 17, 
one of them that the Bible calls the Lord said, should I hide my plan from Abraham? Now what you've got here is you've got two angels and a Christophany. A Christophany is when Jesus Christ manifested himself on earth before he was born as a flesh and blood baby. You've got Jesus here because the Bible calls him the Lord. He appeared with them in the wilderness. The rock that followed them was Christ. Jesus appeared several times in the Old Testament pre-incarnate. And this is one of them. And it says that he said, should I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? The reason we've really come here. Because there's a reason we came to this tent. And there's a reason I am now standing looking at Abraham. We're going to see that the reason was he wanted an intercessor. Judgment was looming. Abraham, assumed to be intercessor, lingered in God's presence to discern his will, to understand what the Lord was doing. It says as they began to leave, he followed them. He tracked them. And he stayed with the one that stood out from the other two. And God was more than willing to tell his man what he was doing. You see, that's the power of being a prayer. See, when you're a prayer and God knows you're going into the prayer closet and God knows you are availing yourself of prayer and God knows that you're saying, Lord, pray through me, pray through me, use me in the ministry of prayer, then he will share with you his secrets. He will give you his burdens. He will share his heart with you. He will allow you to understand what he wants you to pray for. And you become a conduit for the burden and the prayer of God in the earth. Amen. Now here's Abraham. The other two men, the angels, are headed down towards Sodom. We remember that. Two of them walked into Sodom. The third one is here. Abraham is tarrying. He's looking at him. And this Lord tells Abraham, I've heard a great outcry from Sodom and Gomorrah because their sin is so flagrant. You get that? When sin becomes flagrant, when there's no more shame, when there's no more embarrassment, when there's no more conscience, when there's no more conviction, when sin is paraded and flaunted before God and man, the cry reaches to God. I've heard a great outcry from Sodom and Gomorrah because their sin is so flagrant. I'm going down to see if their actions are as wicked as I have heard. If not, I want to know. Now put yourself in Abraham's shoes. Abraham is instantly made to understand that Sodom is in the crosshairs of coming judgment. God shows it to him in a flash. And the Bible reveals why. The Bible shows that moral perversion had infected the entire populace rushing in with this revelation as he stands there looking at the Lord. Rushing in with this is the realization that his nephew Lot, who he had said goodbye to years before, imparted ways with years before, and his wife and his children and, and future in-laws are all down there in the city of doom. And God is telling his intercessor, I want you to pray. I wanted you to understand what's going on because, Abraham, I know that you know me and I know that you'll know how to pray because you know me and you know that I want to have mercy and you know that I don't like judging people. You know my character. And so, Abraham, I'm going to tell you what I'm doing so that you can pray and intercede. 
Folks, we've got to understand that the call of prayer is a high calling. It is a high calling, and it rests on everybody in this room. You are a prayer. You have power with God. Man, you know, I talk a lot about my little dogs. I've got dogs. One of them is a chihuahua. The thing about my chihuahua is he doesn't know he's a chihuahua because I'll have somebody come to the door, a great big burly man will come to the door, you know, somebody to work on the house or whatever, and my little chihuahua will attack him and grab his pant leg and tear into him like he's a German shepherd, but he's not. He's a little chihuahua. But what I like about him is he's got guts. Let me tell you something about you. You will never rise beyond the way you see yourself. You will never go further than the way you see yourself. That's why Jesus was always defining people. When you met Jesus, he defined you. Simon Peter, you've been unstable as water. But Simon Peter, you're going to be a rock. I'm defining you. Follow me and I'll make you to become, make you to become, make you to become, make you to become fishers of men. He defined them. You are the head and not the tail above and not beneath. Blessed in the storehouse, blessed in the field, blessed in your going out, blessed in your coming in. You are more than a conqueror through him who loved you. He always leads you in victory in Jesus Christ. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He defines you. And if only you could see yourself the way God sees you, He sees you as a prayer warrior. He sees you as a prayer warrior. He sees you as one who can pray and bring it down. So here's God's man, God's intercessor. And he's been made aware of a coming catastrophic judgment. He sees the angels looking towards Sodom. He says, "Uh uh-oh, something is up. And here's what he does. Abraham the intercessor steps between God and Sodom. Here's God. Here's Sodom. Here's the Lord looking right at him. He steps in between. The Bible says, look at this. It's powerful. Verse 22. Then the men turned away from there. The two men, two of the angels that went to Sodom and from there, and they went towards Sodom while Abraham was still standing before the Lord. Two of the three went off to Sodom. The Lord stood there. And it's so very important, so very crucial that we understand this word when it says before. He stood before the Lord. That means facing. He faced the Lord. He's not facing Sodom where all the trouble is. He's facing the Lord. He knows the answer is the Lord. He knows there's mercy in the Lord. He doesn't look at Sodom and say, oh man, you're toast. No, he turns to the Lord and faces him and stands in front of him and begins to talk to him and pray to him and intercede for the place called Sodom. He said, my hope is in him. The answer is in him. I know he answers prayer. I know prayer can change things. And so I'm going to pray. He positions himself in front of the Lord, facing him, which is perfect intercessory posture at its finest. Because we know, for instance, that God, listen, if God's not going to judge America, then I don't know this Bible. If God, if America's not in trouble with God, I don't know this Bible. America has to be in the crosshairs of God's judgment. You say, well, Jeff, come on now. You're sounding like an Old Testament prophet. No, I'm sounding like a New Testament prophet. 
Jesus looked at Jerusalem and said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how many times I would have gathered you like a hen gathered her chicks? But you would not. Judgment is coming to you, Jerusalem. The greatest prophet of all time said that. And Jerusalem was leveled 30 years, about 40 years later. Paul said of Rome, the wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. America is in trouble. We have forsaken God. What did Sodom do that we have not done? Wow, this is a heavy word. I know. I have to speak out of my heart. I have to speak out of my heart. I can't get up here and tell you, well, God wants you rich. God wants you in a Cadillac. I'm not up here to give you a self-help message. We need to understand the ways of God. And the ways of God are when a nation is facing judgment, God is on the hunt for intercessors. He's on the hunt. Here's Abraham. He's praying. And we've got to look at his boldness. And you've got to think of that verse in Hebrews. Let us therefore come boldly. He's facing the Lord boldly. Oh, hang on, God. Wait a minute. He's facing him boldly. Let us therefore come boldly. In the New Testament, us. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find the grace to help us in the hour of need. If one man who didn't have the blood of Jesus, who didn't have the Word of God, Sodom had no Bible, Abraham had no Bible, but his prayers stopped or at least brought mercy into the context of judgment. If he could do that, where are we with the name of Jesus on our lips and the blood of Jesus covering our soul and the words of Jesus telling us, go to the Father in my name and He will answer you and He will do great and mighty things you have not yet known. All the encouragement we've got to pray. Make no mistake about it. When Abraham stood and faced him and stood between him and Sodom, it's exactly what God wanted him to do. Exactly what God wanted him to do. Abraham's not being presumptuous. He's not being cocky. He's not being arrogant. He's not being disrespectful at all. The Bible's already said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? What other reason would he say that unless he wanted Abraham to intercede and he did well that's it for this time I hope you enjoyed the message and that you're excited to enter the prayer of intercession you know God is using life talk to reach many people across the nation with the uncompromised word of God and we simply could not do it without your faithful prayers and financial gifts. One of the amazing things about Life Talk is that not one dime of your financial offerings goes to any overhead whatsoever. Each penny goes directly to airtime. Not every ministry can say that, but thank God we can. So would you consider sending a gift to help us reach America with the Word of God? If you do, we've got a very special gift just for you that I'm excited about. Listen to the announcer as he explains. Now you can bring Pastor Jeff Wickwire and Life Talk right into your home. For a gift of any size to Life Talk, Pastor Jeff will send you a CD collection of some of his most anointed and inspiring teaching series. These CDs will strengthen your faith and build your understanding of what Christ Jesus did for you at the cross. So call now, toll free, 877-884-3111. Or just log on anytime, day or night to lifetalk.tv. 
Listen to Pastor Jeff's hope-filled CDs again and again, or give them to family members or friends as a gift. Don't wait. Call 877-884-3111 right now, or log on anytime to lifetalk.tv and give your best gift today. Join me next time as we continue with part two of the message, The Prayer of Intercession. Until then, I pray God's rich blessings be yours. The Prayer of Intercession is the fifth message of Pastor Jeff's series, Pray Through. You can own a copy of this six CD set for just $30 plus shipping. Log on to lifetalkradio.us or call us toll free at 877-884-3111. Get your copy of today's message for just $5 or purchase the entire series, Pray Through, for only $30 plus shipping by logging on to lifetalkradio.us or calling us toll free at 877-884-3111 for more information. been listening to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire. To find out more about Dr. Wickwire's ministry and Turning Point Church, visit us at lifetalkradio.us or call us toll free at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. And as a reminder, Life Talk is a listener-supported ministry. We exist to bring God's word to thousands of people in your area on this great station. So your prayers and financial support go a long way in helping us with this endeavor. Please prayerfully consider helping us. Thanks again for listening today, and we look forward to meeting with you once again on our next Life Talk broadcast. Music.